Good morning. How are you guys? Welcome to church. I uh, want to uh, uh, clarify something, announcements, actually correct something, announcements. Um, the men's gathering, it says in the men's, uh, ga- for the men's gathering, it's going to be at Pastor Matt Tarka's house, that they're having pizza. That is not true. They're not having pizza. MJ is making his famous green chili. So if you're a guy, you want to go. I've had this, I've had this green chili. It is amazing. Unfortunately, I can't be there that night, so I've asked MJ, please set me some aside, because it's good stuff. So unless, you know, if you guys run out, that's fine. But if there's some left over, um, save me some, would you? Um, so if you're a man, do yourself a favor, go to that um, event. It's going to be a great time together with the guys. Um, also, I want to uh, just uh, reiterate another thing in the announcements. Um, that is our um, Trunk or Treat event. And uh, so it's on, you know, the day before Halloween or whatever. Um, we need more people to decorate their trunks, and we need help with setup and teardown. If you would go to citylights.church to um, register to help out with that event, that would be amazing. That helps us um, pull off a great event. I just want to say, um, since we started the church, we, like many of our other churches, have done, like, a cast, uh, costume uh, candy weekend uh, and last year, we tried the decorate your trunk idea, and honestly, it, it was a, a big hit. Now, I want to give a disclaimer. I realize that there are many Christians um, who are not big fans of Halloween, myself included. It's not my favorite holiday, okay? But um, it is a great weekend to um, do something fun for the kids. But also, I want us to think of it like this. Think of it like an outreach. If you know families where there's, um, they have kids, um, invite them to this weekend. So it'll be after the 11 o'clock service on October 30th. Um, it's fun, fun event out there. There's, they have food and, and people decorate their trunks. It was a really good time last year. So um, <clears throat> good stuff. So again, uh, if you can help out with that, want to decorate a trunk, help us up and tear it down, go to citylights.church and you can register there. You could also talk to um, Kate Grinneman or Bree Lovett about that event, and they're, they're, they're heading that up, so talk to them. Okay, is that her in the back? Wave at everyone. See that lady back there? Go talk to her. Okay, great. All right. Um, also, I want to mention this. Uh, I said this last week, but we have these um, 501c3 approved voter guides. Uh, Truth and Liberty Coalition has provided these for us. And um, they don't, they're 501c3 approved. In other words, they don't tell you who to vote for or what party to support, but they do highlight key issues that many Christians find to be important. And it lists on here where that particular candidate stands on that issue. So if you're a Christian, grab one of these. How many Christians we got up in here? All right. Grab one of these on your way out. And um, if you have friends, family that are also believers, grab one of these and it'll help us to be informed, make the best decision possible. And that would be great. It's a great resource. Um, Last thing I want to say, um, actually, we'll mention it at the end. Um, So I'll just get right into the the message, except for I have some dad jokes first. Okay. Why don't eggs tell jokes? Because they're eggs. What vegetable is cool, but not that cool? Radish. It's radish. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Stick to my this is my day job. <laughs> what do you get when you cross a polar bear with a seal? A polar bear. A full polar bear, that is. 
All right. <clears throat> we have been in a series called Jesus Encounter. We have been focusing on the person, the power, and the roles of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says this in Ephesians 1.17. Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. Okay, so why study the names and roles of the Lord Jesus? Uh, because we want to deepen our intimacy, deepen our relationship with the Lord. How do we do this? Not with just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. This thing of Christianity, we learn about the Lord, we study the Lord, but how many know we also get to experience the Lord? This, this wasn't meant to just be relegated to head knowledge. This was meant to be experiential knowledge that when we, you know, I could describe the ingredients or what a cake looks like, but how many know it's much better just to give you a slice of the cake and let you taste it for yourself? Okay, that's what it's like with the Lord. We get to experience God. We get to experience a relationship with the Lord, not just have an intellectual understanding, although that is certainly important. Okay, so that's what we've been going after, but we're asking for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that God would impart that to us so that we would not just get it here, but get it here. Amen? Okay, let me do a quick review. Part one was called Jesus, our Messiah. Jesus fulfilled every aspect that, of the Messiah that the, that the um, Bible prophesied about. Part two, we talked about Jesus, our God. He isn't just from God. He is God. He isn't just divine. He is divinity. Part three, we talked about Jesus, the man. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh. God came to this, to this world and lived life as a man. And now he perfectly represents us to the Father and perfectly represents the Father to us. Jesus the man. He's the man. How many know? Okay. All right. All right. Part four. Jesus our Lord. This is one thing that is lacking in many Christians' lives these days. They know him as Savior. They know him as friend. They know him as, you know, um, Emmanuel, God with us. But do you know him as Lord? In other words, is the Lordship of Jesus established in your heart, in your life? Listen, none of us are perfect. None, none of us get it right all the time. But we want to walk in the submission and the Lordship of Jesus. Very important to the believer's life. It's important um, not just because he wants good followers, but because this Christian life that he's called us to, it's impossible without him. And under the lordship of Jesus, he empowers us to live the way he's called us to live. Amen. Part five was called Jesus, our peace. Jesus is our peace. Listen, uh, the word peace in the Bible, it's the, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word shalom. Um, and shalom, if you go to Israel, it's both a greeting and also a farewell. But shalom also means wholeness. Wholeness. Listen, you're not going to find wholeness in your external circumstances. Why? Because this world is not whole. This world started off whole. Sin came into this world, and the world became shattered and fragmented. It is not a whole picture anymore. But wholeness can be found in your relationship with Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So it's not external. Um, if I could just get these duckies in a row, then I can have peace in my life. No. You need a relationship with the Prince of Peace, and then peace overflows from you to the circumstances around you. Amen? That's peace. That's where wholeness begins here, and it flows outwards. So Emily, last week, did a message on that. It was a great message. 
and, and we're finding out, just, you know, we hear about messages afterwards, that this is an area of struggle for a lot of people. Having peace, having peace in this world. Um, if you just watch the news for like uh, one minute, um, and how many know that like uh, sensational, um, dramatic news, that's what sells, that's what people watch, that's what advertisers will pay for because the ratings are high. Okay, they're, they're, they create content and present the news in such a way that actually increases your anxiety so that you stay tuned in. Okay, you're not going to find peace in this world and more, more so and more so, okay? But we have it in Jesus, amen? <laughs> I wasn't going to preach on this. I'm just going to say a couple more things. The Bible says that the Christians would provoke Israel to jealousy. In other words, they would see that we are partakers of the covenant in Jesus and be jealous. Hey, that's our covenants. We're supposed to be partakers of that. They would see that it's obvious that the blessings of God are upon Christians. And from that place, we would provoke them to jealousy, to relationship with Jesus. Isn't that cool? But let me, let me just say it this way. You can provoke anyone to jealousy through your relationship with Jesus. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are you living your life in such a way? Is your relationship with Jesus so powerful that the people around you are like, man, I got to have that? Because what happens? They go through a circumstance. You go through a circumstance. They're the same circumstance. But when you go through it, you walk through it with peace. You walk through it with joy. You walk through it with power. Right? Listen, that's attractive to the world around us. But when we're just as frantic and just as crazy and just up in arms just as much as the world around us, that's not attractive. No one wants that. It's not any different than what the world has. But what Christ wants to produce in you is something so powerful that it literally... Listen, you want your kids to serve Jesus? Stop trying to beat them over the head with the Bible and just live for Jesus. Let them be like, man, I want my dad's faith. I want my mom's faith. Because what they have is so real, it's provoking me to want to walk with Jesus. Not because I have to, but because, whoa, what they have is powerful. Come on. Can I get a witness? That was a good word for all y'all. Okay. So that's Jesus, our peace. We will be circling back around to this subject um, in the future because it's very, very important for us. Um, Today, we're going to take a little pivot. I'm going to talk about Jesus, our heavenly bridegroom. Jesus, our heavenly bridegroom. The church, uh, collectively, and us individually, are referred to in the Bible as the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus. Okay, um, I caught this revelation as a as a man in my young twenties. Now, when you tell men, like you don't typically go to a men's conference and hear about like, let's talk about how we're the bride of Christ, right? It's not typically a, what you would consider maybe a manly man message. But listen, I caught this revelation as a young man, and it transformed my life. It caused passion to rise up in me. Listen, I just want to say to you men, the most manly thing you can do is love Jesus. The most manly thing you can do is be passionate for the Lord Jesus. I like fighting. I like MMA. I grew up wrestling, those kind of things. Okay? And I love Jesus. I love passionate for God. This revelation will change you. This, this revelation will transform your life. And I want this church to get a hold of this revelation is Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, our heavenly bridegroom who's coming back for us. Amen? Jesus wants to win your heart. He wants to win your heart. He wants to pursue your heart. And just like in marriage, how many know that when you're dating, courting someone, you're trying to win their heart? I tried to win my wife's heart. I had to trick her into marrying me. It's a long story. Okay? I had to trick her into dating me and marrying me. Um, anyway, 
Uh, but I was trying to win her heart. But how many know when to get married, you have to continue to date your wife and continue to win her heart? Can I get a witness? That's so good. Okay. Jesus c- continually pursues our heart, and we want to continually pursue his heart. We don't want to become one of these stagnant, boring marriages, right? We want a marriage with passion in it. Everyone say passion. Your relationship with God should have passion in it. Is your relationship with God void of passion or is it full of passion? Come on. We want to have passion for Jesus. So I want to give you some reasons today of why you should be passionate for the Lord. Why Jesus is actually passionate for you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He doesn't just put up with you. He doesn't love you by virtue of like, yeah, because I have to love everyone. No, he's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, he's God. He has to love everyone, so I know he loves me. No, No, he loves you individually and passionately not just like i have to because you're the other you know you're with all the kids you're one of the kids you're not my favorite kid that kind of thing no he passionately loves you wants to pursue you and have an intimate deep relationship with you personally amen okay this week i'm gonna we're gonna hone in on the parable of the ten virgins from Matthew chapter 25. What is a parable? A parable is a simple story that is used to reveal spiritual or moral truth. In other words, the real story is in the story. The real story is encoded in the story, and it's in the interpretation of that story where the spiritual truth is revealed, okay? Jesus often spoke in parables, and his parables were catered um, to the audience of his day. And many times Jesus would use um, agricultural parables because he was around a lot of farmers or fishermen, um, different things like this. Understanding the biblical context of the parable he spoke in helps us unpack that truth. So what are we talking about here? Matthew chapter 25, we're talking about the analogy that Jesus uses here is that of a Jewish first century wedding. Jewish first century wedding. In Matthew 25, Jesus is speaking about how to be prepared for the return of Jesus, how to be prepared for the rapture of the church and the coming of our heavenly bridegroom. Okay, so I love this. He uses this illustration, and this applies to our lives totally. Matthew 25, I'm going to read 13 verses here, verses 1 through 13. Jesus said this, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were were wise. I want to pause right there for a second. Five were foolish, five were wise. Apparently, from this verse, we can see that of professing Christians, roughly 50% are going to be wise, and roughly 50% are going to be foolish. This theme is carried out in other parts of Scripture, too. The foolish ones took their lamps, um, took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. There was no provisions for the journey. The wise ones, however, took oil in, in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. That's a heck of a time for a wedding, isn't it? Midnight? Okay. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said <clears throat> to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. Okay, you don't want your lamp to go out in the last days. Verse 9, no, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the 
a wedding banquet and the banquet and the door was shut. Verse 11. Later those uh, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. In other words, I don't have intimacy with you. We don't have nearness, we don't have closeness. Therefore, Jesus said this, this is our warning. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay? You do not know the day or the hour of the return of the Lord Jesus. I want to take a few minutes, a few minutes and talk about the context of a first century Jewish wedding. This is the analogy that Jesus gave us to be ready for his return, taking us in the rapture. It provides a model for us about how to be ready and what it will look like. Okay, so let me just unpack this a little bit, and then we'll get into some practical points. Um, in ancient Jewish weddings, uh, a man or a man's father selected his wife to be and negotiated a deal with the father of the bride and paid a bridal price for the bride. Okay, there, uh, ancient times and throughout most of human history, arranged marriages were like the norm, okay? Although it was technically an arranged marriage, from biblical examples, it appears that the consent of the bride played a major role. So they, she didn't have no say in this. She did. A marriage contract was drawn up, and there would be a betrothal or an engagement ceremony. Unlike Western engagements, these betrothals were legally binding. In other words, um, at this point, another, to stop the marriage from fully continuing, a legal divorce would be necessary to stop a marriage at this point. The couple, however, would not cohabitate or consummate until after the uh, wedding was finalized. It was the husband's responsibility to go away for approximately one year to prepare a place for himself and his bride to be so that they could live together um, after they were married. Just prior to leaving, he would give his wife a bridal gift, a pledge of his love for her. Its purpose was to be a reminder to the bride during their days of separation of his love for her and that he would return to receive her as his wife. In biblical times, rather than building a separate house, a family would often add another dwelling onto the groom's father's home or a nearby on the same property. The groom would return after approximately one year to be married to his bride. Although she knew the general season of his return, no one knew the exact hour. It was ultimately the father of the groom who gave the final approval for the marriage to begin so that his son could go and take his bride home. It was customary for one of the groom's party, one of the groomsmen, to go ahead of the groom, leading the way to the bride's house, and shout, Behold, the bridegroom comes. This would be followed by the sounding of shofars. How are we doing? Shofar, show good? Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's my day job, MJ. It's my day job. <laughs> Almost done. The wedding was much more than just a sit-down dinner for all the guests. It included seven full days of food, music, dancing, and celebration. After the festivities, the husband would be free to bring his bride to their new home, and they would live together as husband and wife in the full covenant of marriage. 
This illustration that Jesus gave is exactly what it will be like at the rapture of the church and of the end of the age and the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to highlight today eight things that Jesus, our heavenly bridegroom, has done, is doing, and will do for us. Number one, we, the church collectively and individually, are in an arranged marriage with the Lord Jesus. You're in an arranged marriage. The father, from the foundations of the world, was like, I want a bride for my son. And he picked you. Imagine that. He picked you, prearranged that you would be married, metaphorically speaking, to the Lord Jesus. You are in an arranged marriage. Look at this. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. All praise to God, the Fa- um, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, He loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in His eyes. Come on, that's a good verse right there. Before He created the world, He loved you. You ever? You know, before people have kids, is it possible to love your kids before you have kids? I know this is certainly true of adoption. There's, there's families like, man, we have room in our hearts to adopt. We have room in our home for adopt. We have a, we have a, a bedroom. We want, we want someone to live here. We love this, this, this person, this kid that's going to be in our home. We haven't met him or her yet, right? It's possible to love someone even before. But how many know God in his foreknowledge knew everything about us? Even before he made the world, he loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bring us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure to bring you into his family. We praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Okay? Listen, Father God handpicked you to be in Christ, to belong to the Lord Jesus from the foundations of the world. Before you were, long before you were ever born or conceived, he knew exactly what you would be like, what your frame would be like, your personality would be like, and he chose us in Christ from the foundations of the world. He predestined us from the foundations of the world to be his. Okay, now that's one for the Calvinist. What are Calvinists? They're believing predestination. Now let me give one for the Arminians. Those are people who believe in free will. And by the way, they're both true. Okay? Do, we, do you believe in predestination or free will? Yes. Okay. They're both true, and I don't know how, and it's a mystery. Okay? Verse 2. Or, I'm sorry. Point number 2. In this arranged marriage, our free will still plays a significant role. In biblical times, you see that there are arranged marriages, but the bride still had to consent. Okay? Um, we still had to say yes to King Jesus. We still had to say yes to him. Okay, John chapter 1, 12 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What do we need to do? We have to say yes. We have to receive him. Notice the importance of receiving. Okay, Revelation uh, 3.20, Jesus said this. He said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is standing at the door of really everyone's heart, knocking, will you let me in? Will you let me in? What do we have to do? We have to open the door. 
Now, God gives us grace to open the door, but we have to open the door. We have to let him in. The greatest yes a person will ever say is the yes to Christ's invitation. Probably the greatest yes a husband and wife, the greatest yes the bride will ever say to the, to the husband is the yes to the marriage proposal. Because if she doesn't say yes at that point, they can't build a life together, right? It's that first yes. There are other yeses that come along the way, but that's that first yes that initiates, let's build a life together. Um, I thought about, for the sake of illustration, I thought about, um, so I'm encouraging you to say yes to the Lord, but say yes again. Like you said yes when you receive him as Jesus, but say yes again over and over and over. I was thinking about, for the sake of illustration, playing a video about, you ever see those videos where a guy gets down on one knee and it's public, and then the girl's like, no, and she runs away. I thought about playing one of those, but there's terrible to watch. Like, it's cringy to watch. It's terrible and very, very sad. Okay, so, but it's part of being a guy, I guess. Um, I remember when I proposed to my bride. She did say yes, thank God. Um, this is after I tricked her into dating me, as I said earlier. Um, but the day... The day I got the ring, I was like, I, I have to do this today. Like some guys sit on that ring for weeks or months or whatever to do something. I'm like, I've got to do this today. So I had my, one of my friends that lived with me. I'm like, listen, I need you to go to this golf course, this place. I need you to set up candles. I need you to get wine. I need you to get cheese. And like, we're going to meet you here at this time. I had it all set up. It was great. And then I got down on one knee and I proposed to my bride and she said yes. And we've lived happily ever after. <laughs> Aren't you guys happy for her? <laughs> I'm so happy for you, babe. <clears throat> okay. So we have to say yes. Our free will does play a significant role in this love relationship with the Lord. Say yes to him. You said yes before. Say yes again. Like, be passionate for him again. Like, why, do, why does the, the greatest season of passion in our lives for the Lord have to be something we used to do? Why can't it be now? Why can't our most passionate days actually be ahead? Come on, guys. Let's do this. Okay. So, we are in an arranged marriage. Our free will plays a significant role. Number three, Jesus pursued us. He paid the bridal price for us on the cross. This was our bridal price. The cost of our redemption, our betrothal to him says this in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from you from our ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. This is how Jesus purchased you. Through, the, through his precious blood, he spilt it on the cross. That is your redemption. Not with, he didn't come with gold or silver or perishable things or anything of this world. He came with the, the eternal blood of, of, of his son to redeem us. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you were bought at a price. Okay, they have this saying here in America, freedom isn't free, and that is true. Freedom, nothing's really free, right? Like, there's no such thing as free anything. Everything costs something. You were bought at a price. Your salvation was bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body, with your members. Okay, here's the deal. You don't belong to you. You belong to him. I don't belong to me. I belong to him. Okay, why? We were purchased with his blood. 
We couldn't even purchase ourselves because we were already sold as slaves to sin. So we never belonged to ourselves in the first place. You're either slave to sin, right? Sold as slave to sin, or you've been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus, and now we belong to him. This is, this is what people don't understand in this world. They think, like, it's my life, and I get to do with what I want to it. No one belongs to themselves. You're either a slave to this world, or you're a slave to Christ. There's only two options there. So, by the way, the second option is better. Be a slave to Jesus. Because slavery to Jesus is freedom from this world. And it's freedom from vices, and it's freedom from you, and it's freedom from sin. It's so many things, and it's joy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about marriage, and he says that a husband's body belongs to the wife, and that a wife's body belongs to the husband. And that is true. Husbands, wife, husbands and wives, our bodies belong to one another. So it is with our union with Jesus. We belong to the Lord. We belong to him. But here's a cool revelation that we shall all get. We belong to the Lord, but here's the deal. He belongs to us. This is a two-way street. This is a two-way relationship. We belong to him, but God, think of this. God belongs to us. Like, come on. I don't know. Jesus, help us get it, because it's good, and I can't have the word. I don't have the words for it. Okay, he belongs to us. Point number four, Jesus is preparing a home for us. Jesus is preparing an eternal dwelling place for you and for me. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with, uh, be with me so that you may also... Oh my gosh, I'm going to just read that. I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also may be with where I am. Okay, he's coming back for you. Okay. I want to give the, uh, the PKC translation, which is paraphrase. Jesus is coming back. He's preparing a place for you so that you can be with him where he is. Okay, got it. Okay. Who needs reading? Reading, schmeeting. All right. But here's the point. Jesus, right now, it says he... He is seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. What else is he doing in heaven? He is preparing a place for you and for me, an eternal dwelling place. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be an upgrade, if you didn't know. Okay? It's going to be an upgrade from what you have now. Um, and here's how I know this. Jesus was a carpenter, and carpenters know how to build things, right? Okay, he also, he also created the universe, so there's that. <laughs> and he's a carpenter. So there's both those things happening. Listen, the point is, the eternal dwelling place that God is making for you and for me is going to be amazing. This is what our husband is doing for us, amen? This is what King Jesus is doing for us right now. He's preparing a place for us to eternally dwell with him. He wants us with him. He doesn't like this separation business. He wants to come back and get us. He's longing and waiting. There's an appointed time for this to happen. Point number five, the Holy Spirit is our engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is given to us as the seal, the promised seal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 
3, uh, 13 and 14. Now we have been stamped with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what is coming. Okay? That's what a proposal is. You, you propose, men, you give, you give your, your bride to be a ring. What is this? This is a promise. This is the first installment of an amazing life together. This is step one of an amazing life together. Listen, the Holy Spirit has been given to us as our guarantee. Like, we, have, we, need, some, like, we need some guarantees here, don't we? How do you know he's coming back to get you? Well, number one, he said he would. Number two, he gave us the Holy Spirit as a, as a, to seal us as a promise guarantee. It says, he is our hope promise of a future inheritance, inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. When a bride uh, was waiting for her husband to be and back in biblical times, she could look at the bridal gift. I don't know that it was a ring back then, but she could look at the bridal gift and remember his faithfulness. He loves me. This is a token of his, his love for me, his devotion for me, and that he's coming back to get me. Listen, when we get discouraged, when we get tired, when we, when we need empowerment, we need to remember that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Do you remember when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Come on, that is the sealed promise of the Holy Spirit, that he's coming back to get you. Yes, it's empowerment. Yes, it's many things. But it's also the promise that he's coming back to get us. And there, that is the initial down payment of more to come. Amen? Number six. The wedding time is set by the Father. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus said, But concerning that day, the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in, of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. The, fa- the Father sets the time. Okay, No one knows the day or the hour of the rapture. And if you find someone who says they do, they don't. Okay, so don't buy their book, all right? Don't give them more money. You're rewarding bad behavior, okay? Don't reward bad behavior. No one knows the exact day or the hour, perhaps the season. We can see the season's changing right now. What is it? It's fall right now. The leaves are changing, right? What do we know? We know we're in the season of fall. We know winter is coming. It's the same thing with the return of the Lord Jesus. We can see the signs and the times in the world are changing, but no one can point to a specific day or hour because no one knows. Only the Father. Number seven, the rapture of the church will be preceded by an archangel shout and a trumpet blast. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with a, uh, the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is the rapture, okay? And so we will be with the Lord forever. This is the glorious rapture of the church. How many want to go in the rapture? I do. I want to go in the rapture. I'm pretty sure that the word caught up here is the the Greek word raptus which is where we get the word rapture. But the idea is this. A raptor bird comes and snatches its prey up. That's what it will be like 
at the return of Jesus, he will take his bride from this planet and we will be caught up with the Lord in the air. It'll happen instantly. <clears throat> Number eight, at the culmination of the ages, there will be a celebration like never before. A wedding like no wedding ever before. Look at this, Revelation 19. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. We'll come back to that in a second. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. How many want to be invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb? Come on. The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his, and his bride has made herself ready. How does the bride make herself ready? She was given something. She was fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. But what, are the, what, are, what was she given to wear? The, the, the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Here's the deal. We're not saved by our good deeds, but we are saved for our good deeds. We are saved for them. It says in Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I couldn't earn it or deserve it. It's a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We all have nothing to brag about. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's the deal. God pre Decided, he predetermined that there would be good works prepared for you to walk in. Okay, how do we, how do we put these, these uh, fine linen, bright and clean on? We walk in those righteous acts. We, we fulfill and walk in the things that God wants us to do here on this planet. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be naked on that day. I want to have some clothes on. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Here's, and here's the point I want to make with that. Everything we do for the Lord. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Like, we're going to be wearing the righteous acts, the righteous deeds that we did here on this earth. Somehow they will still be represented in all of eternity. Even though we're not saved by them, we are saved for them. Come on. God's calling us into something amazing. So I'll conclude with this. Have you made yourself ready? And are you waiting and watching for the return of the Lord Jesus? A common denominator in Matthew chapter 25 is this precious oil that it talks about. What is the oil? The oil is a few things. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. But I would say it like this. It's the oil of intimacy. It's the oil of knowing him and walking with him and having a deep intimate, personal relationship with him. That's what's going to get you through the end times, is your intimacy with the Lord. From that place flows everything else we do. The, the, the foolish virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, let us in. And he says, go away. I don't, I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you. I don't know who you are. 
So Christians, I want to encourage you, go deep with Jesus. He wants to pursue your heart. He wants a love connection with you. He wants to pursue your heart, and he wants to be pursued back. We belong to him. He belongs to us. Amen? I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll uh, get you guys out of here. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. God, you are the heavenly bridegroom who's coming back to receive a bride to himself, Lord. I pray that every single one of us would be absolutely ready for the return, the rapture of the Lord Jesus. God, would you prepare our hearts? Would you get our hearts ready, Lord? Would you cause us, Lord, to have, as it says in Song of Solomon, you have dove's eyes. Doves don't have peripheral vision. They just look straight ahead. God, give us, give us dove's eyes, Lord God. Let us see straight forward and not be, not be distracted by the things of this world, but be locked on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you were looking for a bride. You were looking for a bride, and we are the bride of Christ, individually and collectively, Lord, to stand with you and in partnership with you. The point of the bride and groom is not that the groom would be the boss of the bride, although we do believe in the lordship of Jesus, but in the same way we believe in the partnership of Jesus, that the bride of Christ is supposed to partner with Jesus in this world and change and transform it for the glory of God. So Lord, I pray for this church that we would see ourselves as the precious bride of Christ, Lord the virtuous bride, Lord, that changes and transforms this place for the, for the glory of God. I just pray this over everyone here. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.